It's Monday, April 4th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, six million people and counting are creating a piece of artwork together right now in a reminder that sometimes we can still have nice things on the internet. Plus, birds are laying their eggs almost a whole month earlier than they used to. And some sounds from Ukraine's musical resistance to Russia. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. By the time you hear this, it will probably be over, or almost over, but it's such a beautiful thing that I have to talk about it anyways. So, many years before Josh Wardle became famous as the guy who invented Wordle, back when he worked at Reddit, he created something else that brought people all over the internet together. It was called simply place, or in Reddit vernacular usually called R place because it lives at the r slash place subreddit. Our place is a 1,000 by 1,000 pixel digital canvas made by anyone who wants to participate. The catch is that a person can only add one pixel every five minutes. So if you want to actually create a cohesive artwork or some sort of recognizable symbol, you pretty much have to team up with people and collaborate because the project is too fast moving and popular for you as one person to make something by just adding one pixel every five minutes. You would absolutely get taken over by other users. And when Our Place ran for the first time in 2017, it was said that over a million Redditors placed around 16 million tiles on the canvas. And you can see what that final iteration of it looked like at the link in the show notes. Most likely by the time you listen to this or shortly after, you will also be able to see the final version of this year's, because today, the fourth day of proceedings, will be the final one. And it has taken off in an even bigger way this year. According to the Washington Post, as of last night, 72 million tiles have been placed by over 6 million users. And the Post notes that's a rate of 2.5 million tiles placed per hour. Dang. So Our Place was launched on April Fool's Day back in 2017, but not as some sort of prank. As Reddit explained in their announcement that the supremely popular experiment would be returning again this year, quote, We've always taken a different path and used April Fool's Day as an opportunity to test new ideas and systems and connect with users. This year is no different. Our Place was created and brought back to explore a piece of humanity, to examine what happens when a person doing something affects a collective. Specifically, what happens if you only let an individual place one tile at a time so they must work with others to build together on a massive online cooperative canvas? We learned from the original experiment that people online are naturally collaborative, that Redditors are more creative than we are, and that Reddit is a place where great things blossom, said Alex Lee, EVP of Strategy and Special Projects at Reddit. End quote. And when he launched the first iteration five years ago, Josh Wardle wrote in the announcement post, quote, Individually, you can create something. Together, you can create something more. End quote. Annie Rorda, who runs the excellent Depths of Wikipedia, Instagram, and Twitter accounts, wrote an input, quote, For some reason, our place activates a certain tribalism in people that makes them scramble for any symbol that gives them a source of identity and plaster it onto a big, meaningless map. It's stupid. It's beautiful. It's the internet in all its glory. End quote. <sighs> 
And Taylor Lawrence argues in the Washington Post that it's not just the sheer ballooning in numbers that makes this year's R place different from five years ago, but that that tribalism says something about how the internet has changed since then, too. Lawrence points out that online platforms and communities, while having grown in size and number, are much more fragmented than they used to be. A lot of people who turned to online communities during the pandemic, for example, opted for closed or private ones. Quoting Lawrence, But that trend towards groups and more contained social experiences online can also leave people craving engagement with the masses. Place has turned into Reddit's de facto public square for the past few days. Brian Lynch, a lawyer and Reddit moderator in San Diego, said, Even though the internet is going through this fracturing with communities, I think that these groups are still looking for that central town hall or that central space, he said. It's notable that Place has never been about all users working together, but more of a space for communities to exert their influence. Eugene Wei, a tech entrepreneur in San Francisco, sees Place as the perfect metaphor for the modern internet, where individuals' power to shape discourse or exert influence online is only as strong as the collective they're a part of. The hope of the internet was that it would connect humanity in a way that would allow everyone to coordinate and build things at scale. But in reality, while massive networks of bubbles and groups sometimes form alliances to create, they also compete and fight. Maybe the disappointment of the internet is that there aren't more examples people can point to of large-scale human coordination to create something, Wei said, end quote. And slightly surprisingly, considering Wei's point about groups' power to exert influence, there has been very little in terms of truly vulgar or hateful content on our place this year. Here and there, a few things have been attempted, but they're quickly squashed out by other communities. Lawrence credits this to a combination of some dedicated communities devoting themselves to keeping radicalized factions at bay, and perhaps as evidence that, though they may be loud, those radicalized factions really aren't as strong or numerous as they sometimes appear. They're easily taken over by other communities. So what kinds of things are on the canvas then? Well, it's constantly changing, but here's a rundown of some of the highlights over the past few days. A giant Ukrainian flag, naturally. Star Wars fans made a legit movie poster. An environmentalist subreddit made a huge parking lot to illustrate the waste of space of real-world parking lots, and relatedly, some people also made a bike lane around the edge of the canvas. There has been ample use of the F-word from certain subreddits declaring their positions. There was an anti-NFT one, and then, I love this, quoting from Roberta again, When a curse word emerged near the University of Michigan Block M logo, some worried that it was coming from longtime rival Ohio State University. But then someone messaged that the word was coming from the hydration enthusiasts at our Hydro Homies who were planning to write F. Nestle. End quote. I'm censoring here, of course, but there have also been lots of logos for lots of other universities and sports teams for games like Elden Ring, a number of Wall Street bets, meme stocks, stuff, weed leaves, lots of flags for both nations and identities. Another great example of how communities' plans don't always go exactly as planned from where to quote, A Canadian maple leaf sprouted odd fingers, and there's a slightly misshapen Rubik's Cube with a game of tic-tac-toe, and when a long stripe in the colors of the German flag intersected with a long stripe in the colors of the pride flag, Redditors joked that there was a serious battle between the Germans and the gays, end quote. 
And one of my favorites is from earlier today. Some folks successfully created a functioning QR code that led to never going to give you up because, of course, it did. Seriously impressive, though, to get that QR code right. And speaking of that song, YouTuber and musician Alex Melton posted a cover of Never Gonna Give You Up on April Fool's Day, done in the style of Blink-182. I only recently discovered Alex Melton, but I'm a big fan so far. He does pop-punk covers of songs like Montero, Wonderwall, A Thousand Miles, basically any non-pop-punk hit you can think of, and he additionally does country covers of pop-punk or emo songs. His country version of I Write Sins, Not Tragedies is particularly good. But anyways, back to place. A new thing this year was that even though you have to be logged into Reddit to participate, a lot of the organizing wasn't just coming from subreddits, it was also coming from Discord servers and led by Twitch streamers. One streamer, Jack Manifold, sent all of his followers to put 3D glasses on any pixel doodles of people and animals, which apparently led to some kind of confusion about who was behind it, with blame being thrown across fandoms and across nations. Despite the chaos and occasional fighting, our place has remained a kind of wonderful illustration of what the internet can still be at its best. As Raurita put it, quote, On April Fool's Day, the internet tends to be at its most annoying, with canned corporate stunts and confusing pranks. But this experiment, where people from all over the world add single pixels for no real reason at all, can remind you of the power of humanity to band together with strangers to make little pixelated shapes. To make something out of nothing, end quote. And again, as Wardle put it five years ago, together you can create something more. Birds in the upper Midwest of the United States are apparently laying their eggs a month earlier than they used to. And surprise, surprise, the climate crisis is once again to blame. So this finding is based on research published in the Journal of Animal Ecology last month and is likely happening in other places too, but this particular study was based out of Chicago. And it followed 72 species of birds in the upper Midwest region and compared present findings to a collection of close to 60,000 eggshells housed by the Field Museum dating back as far as the 1870s. The vast majority of those eggshells actually date to before 1920 because after that, collecting eggs apparently wasn't as in vogue. But the researchers also referenced bird nesting observations that were taken during two periods from 1880 to 1920 and from 1990 to 2015. And using all of that data, the study found that for a variety of bird species in the area, the average egg-laying date moved up by 25.1 days, nearly a whole month compared with the turn of the 20th century. Quoting the Washington Post, The animals studied aren't just early birds, they are sensitive to climactic shifts. The researchers found that small changes in temperature, approximated using carbon dioxide data from over the years, affected birds' laying patterns. Climate change has shifted seasonal rhythms of animals and plants, which affects everything from bird food to bird habitats, and can place birds in competition with one another for insects and other food sources. The earlier and warmer springs that accompany human-caused climate change can effectively strand birds that are born earlier than their traditional food sources, 
end quote. And lead author John Bates told the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, insect numbers have been shown to be declining too, although again, it's hard to have good data on what each species of insect is doing, and insects in turn are responding to plant leaf out, so that's also something that's moving forward in time, end quote. The combination of archival data with modern observations was a unique part of the study which the researchers say is a vital one to understanding and perhaps predicting other effects of human-driven environmental change something we apparently really need to pay attention to so that we can attempt to mitigate any further changes that may be coming. And as the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, made very clear in the new major report they released today, the window to prevent adverse effects is rapidly closing. So I didn't tune into the Grammys last night. Apparently, there weren't any onstage smackdowns. But one powerful moment was a virtual appearance by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. The president used the opportunity to urge the nearly 9 million viewers to support Ukraine however they can, and also to encourage them to remember the power of music. He said in part, quote, Our musicians wear body armor instead of tuxedos. They sing to the wounded in hospitals, even to those who can't hear them, but the music will break through anyway. We defend our freedom to live, to love, to sound. On our land, we are fighting Russia, which brings horrible silence with its bombs, the dead silence. Fill the silence with your music. Fill it today to tell our story. Tell the truth about this war on your social networks, on TV. Support us in any way you can. Any but not silence. End quote. And in that vein, Vice Today highlighted a few songs that have been particularly popular among Ukrainians right now, either newly written or appreciated in new lights. One by Taras Barovak is called Bayraktar and is named after the Turkish-made Bayraktar TB2 drone that the Ukrainian military has been using against Russian forces. Vice explains that the song, which has been going viral in Ukraine, mocks Russia, and videos of the song are often accompanied by footage of Bayraktar's actual strikes. I've seen a bunch of different English translations that kind of differ from each other, but here's a translation of one verse from Vice, quote, Stupid rams barged on our lands from the east to resurrect the country that does not exist. A diligent shepherd that drives them afar, Bayraktar. Here's a listen to the original. Байрактар Байрактар As Vice points out, it's common for militaries to record songs in wartime for propaganda purposes and for similar songs to emerge or become popular again from civilians. A number of Ukrainians and supporters from around the world have been remixing traditional Ukrainian folk songs, which are being amplified and shared by the Ukrainian military on their official social media accounts. One such video, produced by a South African musician, remixes the singing of a folk song by Andrik Levnuk, who is himself a musician, the lead singer of the Ukrainian band Boombox. He left the tour he was doing of the USA to join the Ukrainian military effort and is shown in a video singing on the streets of Ukraine in uniform with a gun strapped to his chest. And this particular remix, which Klivnuk did give permission for, is really good. Here's a listen.
Vice notes that the use of music as resistance has a particularly deep history in Ukraine. Quote, Traditional Ukrainian folk music has a dark history with Russia. In the 1930s, as part of an attempt to purge Ukraine of its culture, the Soviet Union carried out a purge of Ukrainian minstrels. There is a monument to the dead musicians in Kharkiv, and traditional Ukrainian music has become a powerful symbol of resistance to Russian aggression. End quote. And knowing that context makes these songs even more powerful and emotional to listen to. I definitely recommend checking out the article in the show notes for more. Listen to them, learn about them, share them. As President Zelensky said at the Grammys last night, support in any way you can, but not with silence. Well, this dovetails rather well with the place story. Coca-Cola, fresh off the release of their Starlight flavor, which they refused to describe in any more detail than it tastes like space, have just announced another new flavor, which somehow tastes like pixels. Yes, Pixels. It's called Byte, B-Y-T-E. And quoting Coke's press release, it brings the flavor of Pixels to life in a beverage that transcends both the digital and physical realms, end quote. They also apparently launched it first in the metaverse, with a sneak preview being hidden in a new island created in Fortnite called Fortnite Pixel Point, which also includes four different mini-games that they made. The soda will also come with an AR experience. This is all Coke's attempt to connect with gamers, and I don't know, maybe try to convince them to ditch Mountain Dew for Coke. Byte will be released in U.S. stores on May 2nd, and they warn that it will be in super limited quantities, though I think they might have said that about Coke Starlight, and that's been fairly easy to find in the tri-state area, so your mileage may vary. And you know, it is all kind of silly, but I'm kind of here for one of the biggest corporations in the world continuing to release weird flavors that aren't actually flavors at all. Very goofy and chaotic vibes. I'm into it. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.